Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Maddie A here. Welcome into today's show. I've got a great guest for you guys. I've known uh, Mr. Trevor Mock, founder of Carrot. Uh, 30 under 30. Dude is an absolute stud. And uh, I've known him for the last really eight or nine years of uh, my real estate investing career. And he's just somebody that I've always um, admired and looked up to, not only from the perspective of the massive business and software company that he's built um, and, and how he has built it, but also how he has continued to balance his family life and be an amazing dad, how connected and um, contributing he is in his community. And um, he's just an, a leader and an authority in so many different spaces in um, you know, so many different ways. And these are the people that I always love picking their brain and you know, asking some of the questions that we got to dig in on today, understanding the psychology around not only being a peak performer in business, but how and why he continues to challenge and drive in all of the other areas of his life. And so today, you guys are going to get a little taste of that. And he shares some of his philosophies and mentalities around you know, how he uses what he calls ikigai to find his unique skill set, passion, and purpose while tying it to making money, bringing value to the world, and leveraging that to create the life that he has ultimately gotten to live now. And this is something I think is gonna inspire a lot of you. We actually, if you watch this on YouTube, you'll be able to see the graphic on the screen. Um, but Carrot is Trevor's company, and uh, they generate millions of leads for real estate investors to find motivated sellers. They help people purchase hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate every single year. Um, and he talked about you know, what that journey has looked like. And one of the interesting things that I found was he had to get small before he was able to get big. And he's going to explain that in this episode. But I think for a lot of quote unquote serial entrepreneurs, we have the, um, the curse of being good at a lot of things. And we never give ourselves the opportunity to be world class at one thing. And he talked about how he came to that realization and what that process looked like for him and how it really did lead him to Carrot and blowing up this massive software company and obviously blowing up his bank account, his wealth, and his lifestyle. Um, we also talked about um, you know, some current events and what's going on in real estate, where the opportunities are at, where the challenges are at. He actually shared a very interesting stat. Obviously, as many investors and developers and flippers are struggling with some of the material and labor issues, with inflation, um, some insights there. With his network, he gets exposed to a lot of really intelligent people who are on the forefront and have insights to some of these things. He talked about where he thinks the market is going, how much runway we might have left in the market how he was able, after never wholesaling an entire house in his career, to do $140,000 in wholesale profit in his very first month, why understanding marketing is so important at any level in any industry in order to create wealth, and that's a skill that can really never be taken away from you. We covered just a really uh, expansive and broad 
uh, spectrum of topics here in today's episode. And I know many of you are going to get tons of value from this. So with that being said, if you're new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Uh, If you enjoy this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, a family member, tag us on social media. Uh, Please leave a review in iTunes and whatever other podcasting platforms you enjoy listening to this content on. And with that being said, I don't want to waste any further ado. There's a lot of great stuff in here today. Have your note, paper, pen handy, ready to take some great nuggets down because Trevor dropped a lot of them. So with that being said, let's dig into today's episode right after this quick message from today's show sponsor. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show my man, Trevor Mock. How we doing, man? Matt, what's up, dude? Good to see you. It's always good good hanging out, spending some time with you, brother. I think the last time we were uh, racing Ferraris and Lambos on uh, an airstrip (laughs) somewhere in Napa, huh? Dude, that was a blast, man. That that, that was so much fun. I was talking with uh, Matt Andrews, actually, in Charleston this last time with the Mastermind. Yeah. Dude, he still has it stuck. He's like, you beat me that last one by a tenth of a second or whatever Ooh, it was. You did, huh? Did you take? Uh, you took the the whole thing, didn't you? Or it, it was either me or Christina, I think. But, I think it was um, you, dude. It was it was the one Lambo that none of us wanted to drive at first, and then we asked the guy. We're like, hey, which the guy who's you know passenger seat? Like, which one would you drive? And it was that ugly gray one over there. He's like <laughs> yeah, the gray that's right. one. Because he said it's all wheel drive, and he's like, dude, when you're there, you just punch it. Like you don't have to feather it in. You just punch it and that thing just took off off the line. So that was fun. Dude, that was that was a great time. And uh, it feels like that's what your business has been doing this last year, just going on a rocket ship to a whole nother level. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with um, Trevor and the amazing business that he's built in really servicing, um, as you heard in, in the bio, in the intro here, um, you know, real estate investors and generating leads. Um, where, let's back up a little bit. Where, where did this all start, brother? Dude, uh, there, there's there's a couple couple of different variations of it. So not variations, but kind of if you if you really ask where did it start, I bought my first rental property, 21 years old in college, um, literally Carlton Sheet stuff, right? No money down, the $500 course. Um, I, I've been telling my dad that I wanted to get into real estate for a while because I had this this college professor. 
uh, he, his name was Ari DeGroot. And he's like the most charismatic guy. Uh, he taught business law and business law should be like the most boring subject in all of college, but he made it interesting. And uh, he was a lawyer himself and a real estate investor. And I'm like, dude, I just want to be like him. He, he seems like he enjoys what he, what he wants and or what he's doing. And, and Matt, that was one of the first times I really saw someone, for, at least from the outside in, enthusiastically enjoying what they were, what they were doing. Uh, for work. And I'm like, if that's what it is for him, then I'm going to go after it. So I ended up buying that first property, no money down. I still own that four, four unit apartment building up you, by the college today. You still own that property. I'm, I'm a buy and hold guy, man. Like, like we were saying right it. before the uh, hit and recording, uh, I'd never wholesaled a house or anything in my life until this past month. Um, you know, we've been doing it in big ways now. Yeah. We're going to talk about that for those yeah. that want to know what the heck you're doing making 140,000 your first month wholesaling houses. So we'll get to that later in the show. <laughs> For sure. But yeah, so that, that kind of started me on the real estate side of it. Okay. So that, that's what started that path that made it possible to, to eventually get to where we are here with Carrot. Uh, then, then next, Matt, I guess you could say the next start is me kind of discovering marketing and online marketing, kind of like growing a, growing a love for marketing. Um, I, re I really enjoy uh, when, when you can create a piece of marketing or you can, you can create something that adds value to people's world and it also can attract them to become your customer. And I started to study people you know, like Frank Kern, you can keep on going down the list where, where it's like, okay, uh, how do we, how do we market in a human way? How do we market in a way that attracts people uh, to you by adding value to them first? And then, and then um, I, I added that on with shoot, how do you make Google work and how do you take that content and put it on Google and just find a way in front of your best prospects and then convert them into a lead. And so after I graduated college, that was my journey for the next three to four years, you know, was just really going, I'm just going to be a student of marketing. I read every book on marketing. You can imagine I've got three, three of those uh, shelves there in the middle or not. I mean, which one that's leadership. That's all almost all marketing. The one below it's all marketing. The one below that one's all marketing. It's like just diving in to learn the craft. Yeah. Um, and, and did you feel like you, because I, you know, it's funny, we've got a lot of friends that are quote unquote real estate investors, but what, yeah. when you kind of peel back the layers of the onion, what I've learned is all of them are world-class or better marketers, right? Yep. Yep. And, and did you feel like you needed to become a good marketer to be a good real estate investor or was marketing just this path that intrigued mm -hmm. you and you felt like it would serve you whatever, you know, you know, path you decided you were going to march down. Dude, marketing for me, because I heard a mentor tell me this one time. The mentor said, he said, dude, as soon as you can learn how to market well and attract customers to any business, like you can write your own check. He said, it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what business you have. Such a good point. This one skill is transferable to everything. And he said, so a lot of people, like a lot of my buddies going through college, they were studying um, in college to become a very, very specific thing. You could not take that skill and move it to a different career. Like they're studying to be a, a radio, you know, a radio, whatever tech, you know, some sort of technician in a, right. in a possible for a certain thing. And, and while that would be great, what happens in 10 years when you're not passionate about that anymore, they kill that, that career, like it's gone. And then you have to go back to the drawing board and go, oh my gosh, everything that I'd built up up to this point is now almost irrelevant uh, to what I'm going to do next. And so for me, it was that, Matt, is like, what's the one skill, marketing and sales, that I can grow 
that is going to be relevant no matter what I do. You know, even even if it's me starting a charity someday, you know, even if it's it's me buying businesses downtown and helping local businesses move into the, the, the downtown, marketing and sales goes through everything. And so that for me was, was why. I had no clue I was going to ever get into software. I just knew marketing and sales could help me grow whatever I wanted to grow. Now, let, let's fast forward your flag being planted in marketing. How did you identify this idea behind Carrot, right? We were talking a little bit earlier of going from kind of the solopreneur who was you know, marketing and doing all this for yourself to now having 50 employees, tens of millions of dollars in revenue coming through your company every single year, a world-class culture and brand. You know, There's a lot of breadcrumbs along that journey that I, I think would be very valuable and useful. But you know, backing up and staying on this track of marketing in real estate, yep. what was your mentality and vision for all of this? Dude, so for for me, there there were two things. So in in one of my in one of my companies, uh, it was an online company in the real estate space, and I was still buying and holding properties. Not a not a large volume, but I started to publish in this little website that you know how I was uh, doing move in move out meet, um, sessions. I give people like my template. You know, here's the move in move out template, and I started to get all that ranked really really well in Google. A lot of real estate investors would then come to me and say, dude, like you're good at generating leads. Uh, can you do this for me? And so this would have been probably 2010 or 11 is when I started to do random ad hoc marketing for a handful of real estate investors. I would do some SEO for their sites. I would maybe do a little bit of Google ads. You know, it was before Facebook ads were really a, a thing in this industry for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't a real business I was treating seriously. It was this side, side, side project. And this would have been 2012, Matt, where uh, in that business that I had partnered with Patrick Riddle, who you've met through our mastermind. Great dude. Um, I was always the behind the, the behind the scenes guy. He was the guy out, out front. And we were three years into that business, you know, almost four. And I'm like, man, this, this business that I had created that I thought was like my dream, you know, that I could work from anywhere. I'm making six figures a year as a 20 something year old guy. Um, this business is trapping me. And like, I, I'm not enjoying it anymore. I don't want to get up to, to do the work every day that I had created for myself. And, and that's a really, really weird feeling. Um, when you, you set this dream, you achieve the dream and you go, oh my gosh, I'm less happy now than I was before. Mm. And, and it really came down to this, Matt. And this is what led to the software side was, it came down to this. I started to look at that business and looked at the other businesses that I had had ran before that, which were like, this one happened for one year and I got tired of it, moved on to a different idea, that kind of a thing. I was always yeah, right. a serial entrepreneur. And I wrote down a list of things I did not like about the pre, the, all the businesses I'd ever been a part of or ran. And it was a big list. And I said, well, what if I was to whittle it to like the most, most important ones? And there ended up being five. Now, there were five things I just really did not like about this business. I didn't like the inconsistency of my income, this boom and bust, right? End of the year, my income was great. But month to month, it, I'd be like, oh my God. Emotional roller coaster, right? Yeah. You can't plan to that. It's really hard to hire a staff because you don't know what your income is going to be like in three months. Yep. Um, it's kind of stressful. You can't take the month off because you're like, oh, shoot, it's not consistent enough. What if I take a month off of this marketing hamster wheel that I'm on? And then my income is going to take a big dip in 30, 60, 90 days. And so I think a lot of people on this call can probably relate to that marketing hamster wheel that you're on, right? And I wrote those things down. So I didn't like the inconsistency. I didn't like that. I wasn't building an asset. I was just churning 
transactions pretty much in that business. Um, I was really having a lot of fun. It's not like it was devoid of fun. It just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of it baked into the business, you know? Um, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was working on uh, on purpose. Uh, you know, I didn't feel in my core that what I was doing was connecting to some sort of greater thing than myself. Other than we were helping people and the products were good for sure. And then the last thing, Matt, was I'm like, man, the work I'm doing is draining my energy. Mm. It, it, it's not within my unique abilities. And so, the best the best way I've discovered to find what you do want is to identify what you don't want first. Yeah, write those things down. Then we say, well, what's the opposite of that? So I wrote down what I called my five non-negotiables in 2012 for, that would that would shape any business I was ever going to run in the future. And then that's going to lead into carrot in a second. But those five non-negotiables were consistency and predictability. Uh, it was build a uh, build a, a, a sing, singular focus on the on on the big thing. I got really distracted and had a bunch of different things. I said, what if I just focused on one darn business instead of three or four? Like, what if I just did one? Could I build that one bigger than all of them combined? And could I actually have more fun in that one business to reduce the stress? And talk about that for a quick second, right? Because you talked mm-hmm. about the danger of serial entrepreneurship, right? Yep. Which all entrepreneurs, I mean, you're saying some of this and I'm going, oh my gosh, she's talking to me. And other people I know yep. can relate to that, right? Of yep. you can, when you're an entrepreneur and you have that mentality and mindset, you can be good at a lot of things, but mm-hmm. what can you be world-class at, right? Yeah. How did you get to a place mentally and physically that you gave yourself permission to go and focus on that one thing? Mm-hmm. Dude, it, 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 it was hard, right? Because yeah. you, see, you see these examples of people out there, like today you see Elon Musk, right? Well, he's running Tesla and he's running uh, SpaceX and he's got this other thing and he's got the other thing. And like, you see all these things he's a part of, right? Yeah. And you go, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Or, or you see Richard Branson, like that was my example back then. Yeah. Um, I'm going, well, Richard Branson, they say he owns like 180 businesses. So I can own like four, right? If he can do 180, I can do four. <clears throat> what, right. what I, what I didn't understand, Matt, was in, in examples like those, Richard Branson doesn't run any of those businesses. Like he, he has his clearly defined role in them. <clears throat> he might come up with the idea sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. He might fund it, sometimes he doesn't. But he finds a leader who can be the person running it in the day-to-day. And then Richard Branson makes sure that that leader has everything he needs to su- he or she needs to succeed. And what, what a lot of us serial entrepreneurs do is we have business A, business B, business C, and we're running all of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing. You know, I had shares in a software company that was kind of my first little dip in the in the waters with my current business partner in a different software company. His name is Chris Brisson. Uh, we own a company called SalesMessage.com and CallLoop.com. Uh, we've we've had that since 2010, and um, <clears throat> and so I sort of dipped my toes into that. But I had I had you know I was running Private Money Blueprint. I was running uh, this soft the software company that became uh, CallLoop. There's no, no longer in business. We pivoted it. Um, I was running my consulting business, like doing traffic and leads and stuff for companies, right? And um, all of them were mediocre. And so the thing that hit me, Ryan, was this, or uh, Matt was this, was, was I'm like, okay, if I'm doing these three or four things mediocre and it's not working for me, <clears throat> what, what if I were just to go really deep on the one thing and see how, how, how big that one thing can go? And it, and it hit me when I read this book called The Pumpkin Plan. Like this was the mindset shift for me. Um, I don't know if you've read it. Mike Michalowicz is the author. Simplest book in the world, dude. Like I, I've literally read 16 pages of this book ever. And I've I've referred this book to more people than I can ever imagine. I bought it for probably over 100 people and I've only read 16 pages. I love it. 
And once I got to page 16, which you guys can find the whole first chapter for free online, just look up the pumpkin plan PDF. Yeah, we'll link it all up in the show notes at uh, millionermindcast.com on Trevor's episode. I like it. So, so Mike talks about this analogy and he was at some county fair and you know how at the county fair, they grow those huge, huge pumpkins, uh-huh. like the 2000 pound pumpkins, right? And he started talking to the pumpkin farmers like, hey, how do you grow these pumpkins that are this big? And the farmer's like, well, <clears throat> all, it all starts with the seed. He's like, you can't have an average seed. It has to be the seed that's actually has a chance to grow to a big pumpkin. You can't use like the, you know, the, the jack-o'-lantern pumpkin seed. And he said, you plant a few of those seeds in the ground at first. Uh, I usually don't just start with one. You plant a few. And then you start watering the crap out of it. So you tend to it. And then you're going to see all four of those sprout out of there. However many you plant in there, they're going to sprout out 20 seeds, whatever it's going to be. And then he said, your job is as leaves come up from that uh, seed onto that vine, your your job is every day go out there and hack the leaves off because every source of, or every every bit of energy that is is in that vine, you need to go to the pumpkins. You don't want this. You don't want the the leaves to grow. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see four or five pumpkins grow on the vine. And and he said, well, eventually then you're going to see one or two pumpkins that probably have more potential than the others. Cut all the other pumpkins off except for that one that you think has the biggest potential. And then water it. And he's like, every day you go out there and cut off any sprouts, any leaves, any anything other than that one pumpkin. And he said that last week that those pumpkins grow, you can almost physically seeing it grow. He said that they like add hundreds of pounds per day uh, in, in those pumpkins. And so Mike's like, man, that's there's some parallels to business and life there. For you know, sure. That, that all too often we've got these four or five pumpkin vines and we're trying to tend to all these pumpkin vines. We've got, you know, five, 10, 15 mediocre small pumpkins out there that are never going to become great. And you end up getting wore out and then half your pumpkins end up rotting on the vine because you can't tend to them. And so that's what went through my mind in 2012. I'm like, what if I just cut all the pumpkins off except for one? And I, and I, I find what the one pumpkin is. And then this was, this was the shift for me, right? Um, I keep calling you Ryan because I was on the call with my, Director of marketing Ryan, right before this, he just started yesterday. Um, he's been on my mind. I've been a lot. called worse, so don't worry. It's all right. <laughs> That's right. No, but uh, Matt. Um, so uh, what what happens is we end up having all these pumpkins, right? And and uh, for me, I said I'm just going to focus on one business idea, and I'm going to trim everything. So that's when I sold my half that business to Patrick that year for way less than it was worth. Because I'm like, I just want to trim it. I'll, mm. I'll figure out how to how to build something later. Yep. I parted ways from the other software company that wasn't working. I said, Chris, I'll keep ownership in this one. But this one's taking up my time and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere. I'm, I'm going to cut out of that. Mm. I stopped taking on any clients in the consulting side. Um, and I'm like, all right, this year, my aim is to find what that pumpkin is. I didn't know what it was. I, I had no clue. I didn't have the concept for Carrot. I didn't know any of that. And, and this is the important thing, Matt, is, is oftentimes when we're looking for the big idea, we need to trim down to the bare essentials and get rid of all the clutter in our life mm. for that big idea to even have a chance to crack through there. Because yep. the big idea might even already be there right now, but it, you're so flooded with mediocre opportunities that you're not even letting our minds get to the big idea because there's no room for it. And as soon as I made room for it, you got rid of everything but one small income stream. My income went from you know mid six uh, six figures a year to literally twenty seven thousand dollars was my personal tax statement. I found it when we moved to our new house in twenty sixteen. I looked wow. in the box and like twenty seven thousand dollars in uh, twenty twelve or twenty thirteen was my taxable income that year. Yeah, and you sometimes have to be willing to go down in order to come up. I think that's such a great point to remind people of because our ego wants to 
hang on to some of these things, right? Putting stuff to bed or like you said, killing it and, you know, creating that room for the right things Mm. is oftentimes really challenging. And so, you know, reminding ourselves of that is so important because like you said, you know, sometimes you do have to take steps back in order to create space for you to get clear on what Mm -hmm. steps are going to help you take leaps forward in the long term. So you said of your five non-negotiables, you've got those two. What were the other three? Yeah. So the the other three were um, work within my unique abilities. And so number one, I had to find out what they were. I, yeah. I just knew what I just knew what I was doing was draining my energy. It must not have been that stuff. Um, <clears throat> another one was you know, have fun. Uh, so literally have fun is one of them. So let me list them again. Have fun. Um, focus on, on one big thing. Um, build a valuable asset. Yeah. Um, work within my unique abilities and consistent and predictable. Unless I already said that one. Yep. And so I, I started just started going down that list. I'm like, all right, any business I ever build has to match these five things. If it doesn't, I either change the business so it does, or I get rid of the business. And during that time in that year, 2012, when I was trimming stuff off, and and I'm I'm even talking to like personal stuff where I was I was going, oh shoot. Uh, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. And this is such small stuff, but around that time, I watched this YouTube video. And millions of people watch it, but it's this like Navy Admiral or something at a commencement address. Mm. And he's saying something to the effect of, he's telling a story about doing the small things. He's talking about making his bed in the morning, yep. right? And, and he's like, I've never, I would never want to be in the foxhole with someone who didn't make his bed. But in, in the early days of their training, he was wondering, why are these, like, why are our sergeants making us make our bed? Like, we just want to go to war. Who cares what our bed looks like, right? Yeah. And once he got out there at war, he's like, oh, I get it now. I get it. Because when, when we can remove all of the clutter and make that automatic in our lives where we don't have to put any thought, attention, energy towards those small things, the thought, attention, energy can go towards the important stuff, towards staying alive in that case, right? Um, and so I started to look for opportunities in my life. I'm like, dude, um, my whole life I'd always grown up and was, was not a clean guy. Right, my my parents loved them to death, but we would have like um, clean up your room days. It, it wasn't like, hey, Trevor, go pick up your room really quick. Uh-huh. It was like the rest of our house was clean, except for the boys' rooms. And I would have the whole day I'd be in there all all of Saturday cleaning up my darn room because it's three inches thick of just stuff. <laughs> this is terrible. And so I had this limiting belief in my mind that's like, oh, that's just how I am. I'm just a messy guy. I'm a high quick start, low follow through, as Colby would say. Right, uh, the Colby test. And so at that time, I opened up my drawer one day and uh, the way that I had done my drawers uh, in the past was uh, I'd take my shirts and I'd fold them once a quarter, right? And then Crave or whenever, there. yeah, and then toss them. And then I'd always want the shirt at the bottom, right? And so you pick that shirt, you pull it, it flips the whole stack. And then you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it later. And you ever get it later. And then what my drawers ended up being like was just a jumble of crap. And every day that I wanted to go in there, and get a shirt out, I had to sift through it, use this energy out of my brain that I wasn't even, wasn't even thinking about. And so one day I took all the shirts and I'm like, I dumped them out, got rid of half of them. And I said, I'm going to fold my shirts and they're always going to be folded. Uh, and that was nine years ago. And today, every drawer, like my shirts are always folded perfectly. Love it. Um, a few weeks later, open up my closet. Same thing. I was really used to just kind of tossing stuff in my closet. Look at my closet. I'm like, man, that's not the best I can do. Uh, what if I could just eliminate all my, let, let me get rid of half my clothes. Let me make it so my closet's always clean. And then I'm like, bam, that's just a new, a new habit. And then one by one, it was those little things. You know, I'd, I'd get used to 
I was used to my mom taking care of us boys and she'd washed it on dish for us. And my wife wasn't that way. She's like, do your own dish. And so I remember one day I put the darn dirty dish in the counter and my mind saying, I'm going to come back to it before bed and wash that thing. But I set it down. I walked away three steps. And this is in 2012. Like I said, I was, I was making that mental mindset shift. And I'm like, damn, that's not the best I can do. Like that's my personal mission this year is to be, to, to be the best father I can be, the best husband, to do the best I can personally do at everything in life. And even the, especially the little things. Mm-hmm. So as I started to declutter my business life, declutter my personal life, um, Matt, what, what happened was this idea came to me because the only thing left business-wise that I had not decluttered was about a hundred websites sitting on this server. And so in my previous business, we were working with real estate investors and uh, some of them, I was helping them get leads, but they would always come to me and say like, who should we go to for websites, you know, for seller leads or for back then private money leads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, knowing what I know about marketing and conversion and SEO and optimiz- optimizing all that, none of them, like they're all bad. They, they all, they're all, all, they're all built for aesthetics to, to look pretty. And they're going to give you 17 design options. And the people who built those sites have no clue how they perform. They just know that you, you can go out there and click whatever you want to click to, to have an option of what looks pretty. Right. And I said, what, what if, what if we just like made you a WordPress template and you just go take it, this will convert, you go put it in your own, own hosting account. And they're all like, ah, I don't know how to do that. So we'd record a video. We'd like show them exactly what you did. I gave them this darn WordPress template for free. None of them would do it. And so I'm like, okay, what if you just paid me like 10 bucks a month? I'll put it on my reseller account. It's kind of like I'm a web host. Worst business model in the world. You know, charging people 10 bucks a month because now they expect support. Um, and you can't make a profit at that. So over the course of about a year and a half, I had over a hundred websites on there. Half of them stopped paying me. Um, and so I was making a few hundred bucks a month, maybe. Right. Um, and it was sitting there. And as I was making this, these decisions to trim my pumpkin vine, this was sitting there. It's like pain in the ass, drains my energy, makes no money. It marked every box that I should get rid of it. And then a buddy of mine comes through, uh, comes in my office and he says, he says, uh, pull up my website and gives me the domain name. I pulled up and he said, man, uh, I'm not getting leads from this thing. It was like a Wix website or something like that. GoDaddy site he built himself um, or a local web developer built for him. And uh, he goes, you know what to do? I'm like, yeah, you just got to change this and change this and put this button here and then change the wording there. And, and he's like, ah, who can do that for me? Like, man, I'm too busy. Um, it's not really something I want to take on. And the local web developers are going to make it look pretty. They're not going to make it perform. Um, and if you do this, it's going to make it rank well and good. Like I knew the answers yep. and I'm going, Oh my gosh, these hundred websites over here, these real estate investors had the same problem. They needed something that performed, not just looked pretty. He needs something that performs, not just looks pretty. What if this is a business opportunity? And so that's when the idea for what became carrot came up. Um, I, I ended up taking that WordPress theme. <clears throat> I, I called this service, reitheme.com, real estate investor theme.com. And we just slapped a thing up there, said 29 bucks a month, $1 trial. This would have been uh, 2013. Uh, uh, $1 trial, 29 bucks a month. Use my skills to get ranked in Google. Use my skills to convert people into buyers. And the first hundred or so, me and my younger brother, Kyle, literally set up every single website by hand. When you bought, it said, we're setting up your your. Your your website elves are setting up your website. It'll be ready in 48 hours. <laughs> and after we got 100 in there, we're like, all right, 
I think this might be the thing, the big pumpkin. Like this might be the big pumpkin that we can focus in on. Um, we pivoted to Carrot in 2014. Bought the Carrot.com domain in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, man, today our customers generate you know, about a million leads a year, mostly motivated sellers, close hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions through our system. Um, and a little bit's changed since we were building websites manually. Just a tiny bit, right? Yep. That's amazing, man. You know, I've heard you, there's so many great nuggets and lessons in there. Um, and I've heard you give talks and speeches and we've been in masterminds together. And um, one of the most profound things that often I think a lot about, you know, I know you, you and I, I'm very similar to you in the sense of I'm not a details oriented guy. And yet when you realize what is required to get certain outcomes you desire, it's mm-hmm. just the answer. And so you either accept the answer and you do what is necessary, yeah. right? Or <laughs> you continue to latch on and rationalize that being your identity. And ultimately that never serves you in getting the ultimate outcome that you desire. And yeah. so knowing that the devil is in those kind of details, um, you and I are big goal setters, right? We've yeah. got our habit trackers and all of those things. We've masterminded and talked and shared resources on that kind of stuff. And one of the things that often comes up for me in my planning and my organization and goal setting and reflection is this word ikigai. Mm, yep. What is that? And what does that mean to you? Dude, uh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So ikigai, I came across that concept probably seven or eight years ago. And it's a, a Japanese <clears throat> word that essentially uh, means um, state of being, I think, I think is like the translation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ikigai, it, you guys should Google it. I K I G A I, I think it is, but, but look it up. And it's essentially the mixture of, of where, uh, of, of like your, your work world. It's like, are you doing things that matter? Number one, the world needs it, right? The world needs what I have. I can make money doing it. Okay. So does the world need what I'm offering? Can I make money doing it? And am I good at it? Right, those three things are, are really important to make sure that the work that we're doing actually puts us in flow. Yeah, and 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 that's what I was not getting early on. That's not what, what what I was not getting my earlier business, and it fell off. Right, and and I think a lot of household sellers and real estate investors, doesn't matter what you're doing, might be in the, in this in this thought. Not because your business model won't let you get to icky guy. It's because the way that we're approaching it mentally. You know, does the world ha- uh, need what we're offering? Um, can I be really, really good at this potentially world-class and can I get paid well to do the thing? And, and in, on the guy graphic, if you look at it, if you're only doing two of the three, that means you're not an guy, or it means you're not in flow. It means you're not right there in that sweet spot of being happy, fulfilled and doing what matters and, and it's working for me and working for other people. And so let's say you're doing something that matters, okay, but the world doesn't need it. Um, and you have found a way to get paid well for it. So you're doing, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're doing something that you're good at. Um, there we go, man. That's going to help me out. So I got it up there for you. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors 
who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So you've got, what are you good at? What can you be, uh, what can you be paid to do? What the world needs and what do you love? Dude, that was the big piece I was missing. I knew there was something missing. And so I want you guys to look at this uh, on your own. And the cool, the thing that stands out for me big time on this, if you're listening to the podcast part, I'll, I'll describe it. It's not necessarily just the little colorful bubbles, but it's those words that are coming out with those arrows. So if you're in, if you're feeling satisfied, your satisfaction, but feeling of uselessness, then it means you're probably um, good at what you do. You love to do it. So you're satisfied. Uh, you can get paid well to do it, but the world doesn't need it. So that's like a lot of inventors, right? It's a lot of people who are, are kind of those, um, those creatives who are out there doing things. They love what they're doing. They're really good at it. They're getting paid a little bit, but no, but the, the world doesn't need the thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, ah, shoot, I kind of feel useless. I feel, feel like, you know, why am I here? Or let's say that you're comfortable, but a feeling of emptiness. And that's the most common version for, I would, I would say high achieving entrepreneurs, especially in real estate yeah. is you're really good at it. You got paid, you're getting paid really well to do this. Yeah. The world needs it. You're solving a real problem, but man, you don't love what you do. You don't want to hang out with your customers. You don't want to go grab a beer with your average customer. And that's where we need to build more of what we love into our business. So it, it, it you guys been been a guiding light for me big time. I love it, dude. Uh, really cool for those that are you know listening right now. And we have all of the episodes on YouTube as well. So you guys can see this graphic or just Google it. Um, but I often think about that, right? In terms of you know, the work that I'm doing and who I'm doing it with and who I'm yep. serving. And um, it's just a really cool graphic that I'm, I'm grateful you you shared that um, because it's something that I, I think about often in terms of, you know, creating that clarity for myself mm-hmm. and making yep. sure that it's something that, you know, all the boxes are being checked. And, and most importantly, you're feeling that, mm-hmm. that flow state and that real passion and purpose while checking all of those additional boxes. So really cool thing to check out there. Um, let's shift over and talk a little bit about, you know, just real estate and, yep. and kind of this, the state of the market. You know, I know you work with so many investors. Um, you're plugged in and very aware of what's going on in the overall market as a whole. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing out there? What are you feeling post-COVID? What are you feeling moving forward as we kind of come out of COVID? Mm-hmm. What's uh what's the the pulse that you're you're sensing right now? Dude, so there's there's a few things. So at, at Carrot, and and I've been I've been putting this content out for probably three to four years now, 
where um, I think most of us miss the market correction. Like I, I thought the market was going to correct in 2020. You and I both. We, well, I think you last time uh, we've done a couple podcasts together and we were both like, oh, we're in extra innings. It's going to, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where uh, a lot of people were kind of thrown for a loop. And, and in hindsight, there's some data that like, oh, cool. Like next time around, I'm going to look at this data, you know, like housing starts. Yeah. If you look at the housing starts number, that's an obvious one where the past four decades, every single decade, except for 2010 through 2012, right. there's like almost 20 million housing starts. Um, this past decade, there was four, quote me on the number. It was like half of that or a quarter yeah. of it. Yeah. It was like four, I think it was like four to five ish. Yeah. So and, drastic and so, difference. Dude, so, so when you look at that, and then you also look at the, the millennial generation, which is kind of in their prime home buying years right now, and they've got money to spend. They have well-paying jobs. Uh, COVID made remote working even more easy and more possible. So they're moving, uh, they're a lot more mobile now, and they're wanting to move more. Um, you see those things, interest rates are low. There's a lot of really healthy reasons why um, housing prices are going up. Now, are there some reasons that COVID, uh, where COVID actually impacted it? Yeah. yeah. There's the foreclosure moratoriums that uh, that we're starting to kind of unleash now. I know our mutual friend, Aaron, uh, they buy a lot of houses in, in Texas. Now they're starting to get a bunch of houses being auctioned off again. Yep. Six months ago, it was nothing. And so when, when you have that much inventory being held off the market, uh, it, it naturally... Um, naturally inventories are going to be low, which is going to spike prices. And so as those start to come on the market more, it's going to satisfy more of that. But we're so low on inventory in so many of the markets. I'm I'm talking, what is the number? They say like a healthy market is six months of inventory or something, four to six. Yeah. Um, I mean, healthy, they, yeah, I think they want four to six months of, you know, standing inventory that they would consider healthy. We got your back now. All right, we're back. Break up there. Um, yeah, no, I yep, think uh, cool. I think yeah, four, so- four to six months is kind of that that healthy, you know, level of inventory based on what the absorption and demand is tied to it. Yeah, in, in many markets right now, same thing. Don't quote me on these actual numbers, but you know, some markets are at four weeks inventory, six weeks, eight weeks, which is just not enough. And so, yeah. as the foreclosures do come in the market, that's going to help to pad that a bit. But uh, the housing starts. We're gonna we're gonna be on a big building boom, which I didn't predict that a year and a half ago. We're gonna be on a big building boom the next year to two. There's yeah. the the wood shortage um, uh, here in Roseburg, Oregon, where I live. Uh, there's it's Timber County, man. It's like literally logging, right? Dude, Douglas County, Oregon, which right where I live, was the number one timber producing county in the United States for 30 years. And so this area was built on timber. And I'm friends with the CEO of one of the biggest timber companies in town. We were having dinner the other night. And I'm like, dude, so you know, we, we had this huge fire up here in Oregon. Uh, we were, you know, there were four or five of them, but one was got to three miles from my house. And they're hauling all the logs off. 300 something log trucks every single day are pulling timber off the, off the mountains that are burnt timber to get them off so that they don't rot up there, right? And then so I'm talking to Toby. I'm like, dude, there's 300 something log trucks a day coming off the mountain that I live by, let alone all the other ones all over Oregon. Um, where's all the timber going and why aren't prices softening? He said, man, we're 18 months away. Like he said, we're 18 months away from having these prices go back down to normal. Wow. And so you start to look at all these dynamics, right? You look at inventories being low because housing starts were were at record low levels for a decade because of the shock from the the last um, you know crash. You have timber being at higher prices, which is going to inflate prices a bit, but also it's going to make it harder for some people for some people to make that to do that home build potentially. Yeah. 
but I think that's going to continue to be strong. And then you've got a couple other dynamics, man. Um, we talked about it right before we hit record here. Uh, for this, for all you wholesalers, flippers, there's an opportunity that is coming in the market that's not a unique one. It's not unique that it's never happened, but it, it's it's in the market timing right now where this is an opportunity for people to pay, uh, pay attention to. Um, wholesaling works in every market. Okay, flipping can work in every market if you're smart with it. You just have to be more smart when it, when housing prices are are going down. You got to like buy even greater discounts and yep. get things done fast. But wholesaling works in any market. the 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 gap we've seen right now is most wholesalers are still going out there with their old calculations. They're going out there with their sixty five cents on the dollar, seventy five, maybe in some markets, some are hitting eighty. Um, and I'm not talking that you should be coming up calculations because um, appreciation is happening. Like, let's take appreciation and throw it out the window for this conversation, okay? I'm saying because the the way that the market is right now, you have hedge funds who are able to buy or buy, able to borrow hundreds of millions of billions of dollars at, at almost 0%, a yeah, buck right. and a half percent is what we were talking to one hedge fund buyer a few weeks ago. They're borrowing a, a percent and a half. Now, if you have a billion dollars you need to deploy, uh, where do you go deploy it for arbitrage? Well, you're probably not going to put it in the stock market right now because a lot of them feel the stocks are overheated or overvalued. So you're not going to put that there because you're just looking for arbitrage. They don't want to lose $300 million. So they need to look for something that's pretty darn stable, pretty darn safe, very secure. Uh, inflation has already started to kick up. So they're looking at inflationary assets, right? Uh, there's going to be some gold and stuff like that as hedges, but you're not going to put that money there to make an arbitrage. Mm-hmm. And so the best place for them to arbitrage right now is putting into rental real estate in those medium markets, the ones that are not going to flux up and flux down. Yeah. So we started wholesaling. Uh, I wanted to roll up my sleeves and, and use our system at Carrot to just uh, to prove that, hey, this stuff works in any market. And so I'm doing all the marketing. Uh, I have a couple partners in different markets. First month, we pulled $140,000 in wholesale profits out. It's amazing. And that's only four deals, right? And so people might be asking, how did you wholesale? We didn't flip any of them. All of them were wholesale. We did double closings. So on, on those days, uh, 140 grand, okay, with eight leads, eight leads, guys. Eight, not 30, not 40 leads. Eight. These are all using our system to do Google ads and SEO. Highly, highly targeted, highly, highly motivated. The most motivated leads you can possibly get for sellers anyway are the ones who seek you out. They're actually actively looking for a solution. Yeah. Um, we're going in there. We're immediately answering these. So if you're talking about marketing right now, you cannot wait five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, let alone a day to get back to your leads. Um, so my partner in Louisville, Bo, he's literally, he, as soon as the step two form submission comes through on his carrot site, he's calling them right then they're still on the site and he's, he's the first one to talk to them usually. And so he does that big time follow-up, uh, deal number two, that was a $90,000 profit. And I'll kind of walk through this as an opportunity for you guys as wholesalers. Deal number two, um, he followed up with that person in three weeks, 87 text messages from his personal cell phone and 23 phone calls. And that's a whole nother call. Like, why is it that it takes that long for us to connect with these sellers? Well, there's a lot of options that they have, but also Mm -hmm. they're in tough, tough, tough situations. And honestly, when you're in a situation that tough, you're, you're probably not making good decisions anyway. And you really need someone to shepherd you through that. And when you're burying your head in the sand because the situation you don't want to deal with, you shouldn't stop at four or five or seven or 10 text messages. You serve that person well to help them through fruition until they tell you they either sold it to someone else or they're, or they're, or you're going to buy their house. 
solve Amen the problem. to that, brother. I mean, that yeah. is so important, I think, to highlight, no matter if we're talking real estate investors or anybody that's in sales trying to close mm-hmm. business, right? Yep. Is the importance of that follow-up, especially like you said, right? There are people don't have, you know, one or two options anymore. They have hundreds, if not thousands, of options to choose from, right? Yep. And the person who's consistently following up and bringing the value is important and one piece of that, but it's also a timing issue as well, right? Yep. If you catch them at the right time where their motivation and their pain meets what you can provide them, the service, the price, whatever it may be, the solution, um, it's key. I, we've found that at least in a lot of our transactions, it's usually anywhere from the six to 10th touch and touch meaning like we talk to them, yep. not even including right all of the efforts we made to talk to them and, and engage with them as well. So I love that you brought that up because especially right now, you mentioned you got to adjust and pivot. And when the market is as hot as it is right now, you can't be using you know formulas and max allowable offers that yeah. were two or three years ago yep. when you're competing with people that are paying 90, 95 cents on the dollar for some of these properties, right? Dude, and, and, and that's the question. Like, how, how, do, how, do, how are we winning out these deals? So how are we closing about half of the leads that come in to deals yep. where, where most people are closing one in 10, one in 15, which those are pretty damn good ratios, right? If you're direct mail, it's probably one in 40 leads turned into a deal if you're doing direct mail. If you're doing cold calling, it's somewhere between the one in 40 to one in 60. If you're doing radio and TV, it's about one in, one in 50 to one in 60 leads into a deal. Uh, if you're doing Google pay-per-click, traditionally with the way that most people are following up and closing, it's one in 10 to one in 20. SEO, one in five to one in 15. But when, when you pair up amazingly high quality leads that are that have high, high intent through Google and uh, PPC and SEO, yeah. Facebook too, those convert a little bit lower with an amazing negotiation and follow-up, dude, you're going you're gonna to double or triple your close ratio. And one big thing right now that's market timing for wholesalers especially is like I talked before, most wholesalers are going out, they're offering their 65, 60, 70, 75% on the dollar offers because they're then going to go flip it to a, whole, uh, a flipper, right? They're yeah. going to flip the contract <laughs> to a house flipper who needs the margin, who's then is going to sell it at retail. Well, we're, we're going in there right now Building really good relationships with these very targeted hedge funds who are who are buying these houses because they're running off a different calculation. They're running off a calculation of uh, we have a billion dollars sitting here that we borrowed a percent and a half. We yep. just want eight percent return for the arbitrage, and they're going and looking at it and going, the most guaranteed return for us is to buy rental real estate that we can raise rents on six to ten percent a year. Yep. That's going to hedge out hedge inflation or keep up with it. Um, and they're gonna. They feel that there's two solid years left where these markets, these middle range markets, are still going to be appreciating well, and so they're making a big play. And if you as a wholesaler can get in between them, we're able to offer on a property when we uh, closed on a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, the competitors were all offering sixty five grand. We put, we bought it for ninety, and then we literally sold the contract to a hedge fund for one hundred eighty thousand dollars the next week. One hundred eighty grand in cash, dude. The other wholesalers are trying to get 10 to 20 grand in profits. Right. Just 90 on the same deal that they all passed up because they said the numbers didn't work. Yeah. And so if you can approach those sellers with better follow-up, quicker follow-up, and you're able to market that we can truly pay more than everybody else that's making you offers in a hot market where they saw Sally or their neighbor just sold for X amount, yep. we're coming in there actually paying them more than anyone else can. And we're making more money on the back end than anyone else is making that market. 
uh, which is crazy. So, and it's all from, it was about two and a half thousand dollars in Google ads is all we spent driving to a high converting carrot site turned into 140,000 bucks the first month. It's amazing, man. I know that, uh, a lot of people are going to be going, all right, I need to know a little bit more about this carrot company uh, for those that aren't already using them. Um, but before we talk a little bit about that, I think it's it's just a, a really great point, right? That starts all the way back to the beginning of this you know, conversation, which was marketing and the importance of being able to be a great marketer to attract those customers to your services or to your value and how... Yeah much ROI you can get off of that skill set. So for those that maybe are going, maybe I'm not the best marketer, but I want to align with uh, someone like Trevor and the Carrot team, you know, tell us a little bit more about some of the different offerings and services and where they can get some more information on, you know, what you guys provide. Do the, yeah, the biggest thing is go to carrot.com. We've got tons of free information, tons of free blog posts, got our podcast called the carrot cast where we bring on clients to show what they're doing and i kind of talk about my behind the scenes entrepreneurial journey on on those every thursday too but yeah, let's go to carrot.com dude um and the the biggest thing that i kind of suggest people do is this is, is number one just like with with in this example with Bo, you know he he'd invested in the carrot he, he started doing the content started getting it ranked well in google following our training uh, we we call it evergreen marketing. You know, getting off the marketing hamster wheel and getting evergreen marketing cranking for you, so you can get freedom. Carrot.com forward slash evergreen. I have a free webinar where I teach the whole strategy over there. Awesome, that's great. We'll be able to to link all of that up in the show notes. Um, so for those of you that want to check out Carrot, all the amazing stuff that they offer, and you guys offer tons of freebies too, guys. So be yep. sure to go over to uh, their website and check out a lot of the freebies, a lot of the blog content, a lot of the keywords, um, some really great resources and information. And you know, if you really want the the real results, I um, I've I've been a user of Carrot. And um, I highly endorse what uh, what Trevor and the team do over there. Just uh, amazing, not only from a result standpoint, but also from the perspective of you guys are just world class um, and fun to work with. So, brother, I just want to say thank you, man, for uh, for catching up today. As always, it's great to hear your inputs, what you're seeing out there, um, where you see things going, what some of the challenges and struggles are, and of course, just hearing and seeing your journey continue to unfold and see you uh, level up not only as a businessman but um, as a father and you know taking care of uh, the wifey and doing all the great stuff that you guys do from a lifestyle perspective. As you know, right? We we cover all things in terms of being a millionaire in all areas of your life, not just in your bank account. So uh, big love, big props to you, brother. And uh, look forward to hanging out again soon. Man, man, I I appreciate you big time. And right back at you for all the things you just mentioned. Uh, You're one of my favorite uh, people that I follow on Instagram. Number one, I love how you document the business stuff. And it's interesting. Like when we hopped on here, I'm like, dude, congrats on the hotels that you're buying in Tahoe and and all that. That's exciting to me uh, and seeing that. But also uh, just seeing your little family, dude, the cutest, cutest family. Uh, Hopefully someday we get to... I was going to say, we'll have to get the the fans together and bring them to one of the events and they'll they'll all hang out, have some fun. And um, until then, man, continued success to you. And uh, I know we'll be chatting soon. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Awesome, dude. That was great. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So If you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. 
Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back, and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live, in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always wanna know, who do you guys wanna hear me interview next? Let me know, shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.